Hi, David. Hi, Marsha. I'm so excited to get started with our first episode. Um, I'd like to read a letter that uh, we received, and then maybe we can talk about um, some ideas of how we can support this teacher. Dear AMA Mentors, This is my third year of teaching. My first year was difficult, but I found out I really loved being an elementary school teacher. My second year was interrupted, of course, by COVID-19, and although I missed my students, I got comfortable meeting them in the online environment. My district had made it clear that we should just try and engage with students and families as much as possible. Now it's my third year and we are full-blown teaching online. I spend five hours a day with my students in Zoom meetings with 26 students and I sit alone in my classroom. All of the things that usually fill my classroom are in boxes. I just face the camera toward me and the whiteboard so the students can't see them. During Zoom time, we have every kind of technical issue you can imagine. One of my students is using his father's cell phone as a hotspot for his connection. Frequently, my connection slows down and I'm kicked out of the room. Students' laptops lose their charge. Siblings and pets wander in on camera. The list of distractions goes on and on. My classroom is close enough to the teachers next door and I hear them say the same things as I do as they try to help students. I spend two or three hours after my classes making lists of what I will try to accomplish the next day. My lesson plans are always right beside me, but I rarely finish what I hope to. Last week, I did six hours of district online training just what I needed, more screen time. The trainings were on pesticide use and sexual harassment and bloodborne pathogens. Of course, that put me even farther behind in my classroom. I am exhausted when I come home and I cry almost every night. But even though I'm exhausted, I toss and turn all night, wondering about what tomorrow will bring. What bothers me most is that I know how important it is for me to do a good job and I don't feel like I'm doing that. My students need me to teach them, especially the ones who struggle. I'm just so overwhelmed, and I feel like I don't even like teaching. What can I do? Signed, please let me teach. Wow, I tell you, I hear a lot of that um, from teachers around me. I see a lot of it on social media. Everyone just feels so overwhelmed right now. And the truth is, I think everyone, not just teachers, is feeling this way. I mean, we've had this period of prolonged uncertainty, and we don't know when it's going to end. I mean, when will we get to see our families again? Will we ever get to celebrate a birthday? Um, will we ever get to teach in person again and see our students? And this gives us this feeling of what psychologists call ambiguous loss. It's the loss of normalcy. and Right now, we've lost so much, we can almost no longer identify it. So this, this is just this huge cultural grief we're going through um, as a society and as a community. And so it's just making everyone feel so overwhelmed. And we're all grieving the loss of normalcy, the loss of what we used to know. And so this grief sometimes turns into anxiety, like this teacher is describing, that we, we can't sleep, we can't work effectively. 
Um, I did hear about one strategy that has been working for me. Um, I think about my mind as like a house and it has an attic and it has the main floor and it has a basement. So when I start to think about something that worries more, causes me anxiety, and maybe it's something in the future, like, um, am I ever going to get to visit with my dad again face-to-face? Well, I try to take that thought and move it to the attic. And if I'm thinking about something in the past, like, um, you know, I, I wonder if I did a good job with my students yesterday. I try to put that, move it to the basement. And so I try as much as possible to stay on the main floor. So I think um, there's a lot of self-care we need right now. And I think just maybe some um, changes in our mental attitude and the way we think about these kinds of things and our uncertainty and our anxiety, um, some of these strategies can help. And we're and we're here with our very first, I suppose, episode of AMA Mentors. I am joined, of course, with our fabulous hosts, uh, Debbie Mitchell and Marsha Carrillo. How are you guys doing? Doing well, David. Thanks for having us. I'm doing all right. Been going through some of the um, uh, celebrations and pains of distance learning and distance mentoring. Yeah, and I can I can see that for sure in terms of both the dichotomy of celebration and and pain. You know, it's it's funny that like celebration has been made in, in, in certain circumstances, right, where teachers have been able to succeed at least in part to incorporate distance learning curriculum. But from what I've seen as well, pain has been tremendous throughout the nation, really. And you know, obviously, and this is a no-brainer here. The first question that we really did get in volume was simply like, how how do I stop feeling overwhelmed during this time for teachers, right? For educators, um, you know, it's easy, I'm sure, to feel that way. But, you know, is there, a, is there an approach, right? Is there a way to mitigate this, these feelings of overwhelm, overwhelmingness, you know? Um, but yeah, we'd love to start off with there, right? Right on, right on the topic of, of teachers feeling as if it's too much for them in this current time. Well, I think, first of all, um both of us would like to say that we, um, we both kind of feel the same way. We, um, it is, it's overwhelming to mentor people, um, without seeing them face to face. It's overwhelming teaching, uh, students in this environment. And so we have both felt some of that. Um, and so one of the things that, uh, that we've been doing is trying to think of some, some strategies that work for ourselves and will work for, uh, the teachers that we work with, um, that will just uh, ease some of this feeling because it's, it is just so easy to be overwhelmed. I mean, it feels like such a huge um, juggling act and uh, the media and parents and community members just may not be as supportive as we would like them to be. And also, I think teachers are being asked to, to do a great many things. And so that's part of the reason that they do feel overwhelmed. Marsha, what are you seeing in your work? Yes. Uh, thank you so much, um, Debbie, for um, mentioning 
the, the stress that we're feeling. And some of the things that come to my mind is, I guess, what kind of brought on the feelings of overwhelming for me was um, I all of a sudden felt that I needed to redesign everything that I've ever done, whether it be teaching, mentoring, professional development. I was also, um, I've been reporting in person and um, finding out that um, I'm very support, I need my team and it through Zoom. And so through Zoom, I, I just didn't feel like the same thing. I, it's so hard to explain. It's 100 emails and 50 text messages a day that I didn't used to get. And so one of my strategies that I came up with um, through feeling all these different things is, you know, we're used to a bell schedule. Our bell schedules change for most teachers, but especially for mentors too. And is we need to schedule um, our breaks, our emails, um, our opportunities to take go outside for five minutes. I would say that I didn't realize I am not really an indoor person. And I realized that I used to just go outside and walk and go meet my teachers, go observe a teacher, go meet with an admin, go see some students. And I was, I'm missing that interaction. And there, there's something about that that cannot be replaced through Zoom. And when I went outside, even though we've had some smoke in the air and, and not the best air, but just going outside for even five minutes, I felt different. So that's my first strategy. Um, I ran across the strategy um, this week too, Marcia, and, and I tried it and I like it a lot. It's actually a strategy that um, Chris Perez Brown suggested. It's called Walk It Out. And I um, I got it from the um, meditation app that I use. And so what he suggests, and this is like maybe a little crazy, but he suggests that you go for a walk, um, take your phone with you. Put your headphones in and make a recording and then talk to your phone as if you're talking to a friend and you'll be making the recording and people won't think you're weird because they'll think that you're on the phone talking to a friend. So go for a 10 or 15 minute walk, record your thoughts about whatever it is that's troubling you. Um, and then after those 10 or 15 minutes, it doesn't have to be any longer than that. Play it back for yourself and listen for things like for themes or recurring topics just to maybe help yourself get some clarity. And I tried this and one of the things that I heard myself saying a lot was life is too short. And so that kind of inspired me to continue thinking about, you know, doing the things that make me happy um, and not stopping doing those things um, because Life is too short. And so I hope I liked that strategy for myself. And I'm thinking um, it might work for people, you know, and also get you outside and um, get you doing some exercise. No, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. I've actually done that before as well. Um, really? Where I, I would go on runs. Uh, I, I, of course, my purposes may not have been exactly to mitigate feelings of over, uh, f- feeling overwhelmed, but um you know, it's the same idea of journaling, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I personally was never a big fan of like written journals. 
However, I, I love audio, as you can tell. I'm doing this podcast, so <laughs> I thought, well, why not try an audio journal? Essentially, where I would, you know, I would I go on runs in the morning, and I have plenty of time by myself to talk. And like you said, it doesn't look awfully weird because it sounds like you're having a conversation um, on your e- earphones. But yeah, I would just do that. I would, you know, just talk, ramble, uh, you, you know, kind of just let it open as as much similar as how written journals do. And, you know, sometimes I'd listen to them, sometimes I won't. Uh, I, I would say the delivery and the exposing of the of the information itself is already therapeutic. Um, so I'm sure, like you said, Debbie, that's that's absolutely crucial for teachers, which I'm, I'm assuming in these isolated situations can feel a little bit bottled up, you know, can feel a little as if what they feel cannot be, exp- obviously they can't express it to their t- students very well. And since they're kind of isolated from their fellow colleagues and their administrative support teams, you know, it, it, it could build up, right? Mm-hmm. But right. I mean, th- th- this this transitions perfectly well to our next question that was presented, which was, you know, teachers were asking, you know, I'm not really looking for exactly curriculum support per se or, or you know, curriculum development advice during this time. Uh, I'm more looking for emotional support, especially in an isolated era. Uh, you know, we, we've had teachers who cry, you know, consistently feeling as if, you know, th- they're underappreciated for what they're trying to do here during these extraordinary times and ju- or just feeling simply as if it's too much. And of course, overwhelm over the feeling of overwhelmingness is related. But I'm curious for your guys' thoughts. How how do we show emotional support when when teachers say they they need it more than curriculum support? Well, recently, Melinda Anderson just released a book September 1st called Becoming a Teacher. And I uh, purchased that book and I uh, practiced a little self-care myself. I asked Twitter, what do you need to do to get self-care? And they said, you need a a bath, (laughs) Epsom salt, a book, some kind of a beverage, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, whatever your pleasure. You need music. <laughs> I had people naming off about 10 different things. So anyway, I got I, I called those the five Bs. <laughs> but you also need to call a bestie. And that was my fifth B. And Debbie Mitchell here is one of my best friends. And I also have another really good friend. Her name is Rhonda. And I know that for myself... I uh, felt so overwhelmed this last week. And I just thought, I mean, I, who do you call? Who do you call? What do you do? And yes, I did make a doctor's appointment. But in the meantime, and then what about after that? Who do you call? Who do you call? And it could be your mentor. And I know as a mentor, I have been the one that they call. And I'm, I'm glad for that. And I, I want to be healthy so that I can be able to support uh, teachers. But sometimes it's a book. Sometimes it's an article. I can't wait. I'm going to blaze through this book and I'm going to give it to the first teacher that I um, encounter that I feel could use this. I also feel that we are, as teachers, many of us, myself included, we are very strong people. I I never wanted to admit that I'm going to let a, a job kind of get the best of me, you know, that that I didn't use the right, did I not use the right coping strategies? Um, why am I letting my, my job get the best of me? Um, why am I not able to handle a new challenge? Aren't, 
You have 32 years of experience, Marsha. You've been mentoring for 15 years. You can't figure this out. That those self doubt types of questions entered my mind and it made me think I bet some teachers that are veterans are feeling the same thing. I've been doing this for a long time. I know what I'm doing. And somehow the the Zoom, I can't see my students. Oop, I lost the chat. Oop, where'd my Zoom go? Oh, which screen am I sharing? Which students are here? And then now there's four different marks for attendance. There's things that are coming out every single day besides checking in every day on a Google form that your that your COVID symptoms aren't there and a, a complete new schedule. Um, there's so many things like that. So scheduling in time for yourself each day and walking away from your screen. If you need to have a friend take your screen from you, take your computer from you, do that. Schedule time that you have to close your computer. You actually have to do not eat your lunch at your computer. Do not take your break at your computer. We used to do that. I would say that, that I did that and I found one day I worked seven to five. I never took a break or lunch. And then at night I was found myself working again. So I worked about 12 hours that day and I, I didn't barely eat or drink water or anything. I, that leads to overwhelming. So self-care includes a lot of things. Well, I think, um, Marcia, you also had some ideas about um, lesson planning because I think right now um, uh, I teach a university class and I was teaching on Zoom the other night and I was trying to, you know, show off all the bells and whistles. And just like you said, um, I got to the point where I was like, wait a minute, I got two monitors here on Zoom. I can't see anybody. Um, I can't, um, I can't get anything to work. People are dropping, you know, I've got to re-let them in and then I can't see them. And that's why I've got to stop sharing my screen and, um, manipulating all of that with, you know, a large number of people in class was just really, really challenging. So I reflected a little bit and said, you know, the very best thing was when, um, people were, they had made a slide and each person shared their slide and talked about it a little bit. And you had a, um, a good way for teachers to look at that when you find a strategy that works because my, you know, I'm like, okay, then what am I going to do next week? Because that worked great, but I need to do something else. What would your advice be there? Thank you, Debbie. This leads into John Carippo and thin slides. Let's say that again, John Carippo, thin slides on Twitter, and they're called edu protocols. He actually, they have a website that's called a smart start with all the slides and links, how to get the school year started quickly with these protocols. So this one that Debbie is talking about, we refer to as thin slides. Alice Keeler refers to it as collaborative slides. Everybody is on the same slide deck. So you send out one slide that says everybody can edit. Everybody makes one slide. And it's about themselves. Or you ask a question. Would you rather is a strategy. Which one doesn't belong? Each student is able to answer that. What my teachers told me was, Marcia, that, that thin slides I did on the first day of school and I asked them what their favorite food was. They, they, they told me that was the best activity I did because it was 
I found out who was actually in the room and then everybody did something. And then of course they had eight seconds to explain their slides. So not so long where they'd be embarrassed and, and many at the high school level are not turning on their screens yet. I mean, we're getting there. And so uh, maybe they turned it on when they introduced themselves or maybe they didn't. And what I, the advice that I gave to this teacher was, is you're onto something. And this is the part of mentoring that comes in. When a teacher finds something that is successful, which you'll find with all the edge protocols, is you want to say, how do I take it from the fun? We were talking about food or talking about ourselves and move it to content. And so as mentors, that's our next step. And that's my challenge for teachers right now. As I said, now give each student a problem and put them into a breakout room. And they still will make that one slide. And you'll be able to see them working on those slides in real time as a teacher because you're the one that sent them out. So um, I know that Debbie had mentioned she did this with her students. We've been doing this um, with uh, all of our students and our teachers, but they're kind of thinking, what's next? What's next? But I want to say, let's build on this. Same thing. I will say another, another uh, pair deck which is taking your Google Slides and using it in Pear Deck allows students to be interactive. That has been a hit. That has been the big hit for teachers in the last two weeks. That and Edu Protocols. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're about time to wrap up this episode. But as you can see here, the the dilemmas in which uh, that have appeared in education so far over Zoom and distance learning have certainly been uh, rather expansive, right? And and of course, the, the mentors here with with Debbie and Marsha, they're definitely here to help figure that out, particularly from the experience side of things, and and also just simply from perspective. So I really do hope that this episode cleared some things up, hopefully for teachers to maybe explore as solutions for their for their um or, or answers to their questions, um, but certainly know that. All of us are our understanding of your guys' plight, and, and and we're here for you. So so make sure to continue reaching out for um, to us on Twitter or or email. Um, we'll definitely be receptive to any questions. But other than that, thank you guys and thank you to our mentors, uh, Debbie and Marsha, for for sharing their thoughts and and giving their advice for for these uh, for these teachers. Thank you, David. Signing off. Have a great week, everybody.